welcome to TTM Cast, your sports collectibles podcast, sponsored by SportsCardForum.com, the ultimate in sports card trading and discussion, and sponsored by Diamond Service Grading, fast, accurate, transparent card grading for today's collectors. And now, here's our host, Jeff Baker. Hello, everybody, and welcome to TTM Cast, your sports collectibles podcast, where we talk TTM cards, collecting autographs, and a whole lot more. It is Sunday, January 30th. The you are, this is season four, episode four. You are listening to the nationally ranked sports card podcast. My name is Jeff Baker. I am your host of the program, and I'm joined by my co-host for life, Mr. Drew Pelto. Welcome to the program, Drew. Hey, good to be on here, as always. Drew, as I look out my window, we're recording this on Saturday the 29th. It is like living in Nome, Alaska. The winds are probably like 30 to 40 miles an hour. The snow is blowing all over the place. We are expecting like two feet of snow. So I just love Boston in the winter. I'm so jealous that you're in in sunny and warm Dallas. Yeah, it's uh, it's a uh, brisk 41 degrees here, but there's no snow in the air, at least there. So we've got we got that going for us. But yeah, I mean, I remember the times up there at Emerson when I was uh especially my sophomore year. I remember one night we literally got like 18 inches overnight and I was in my room writing a paper. I got done. I'm like, God, I really want a burger right now. And so walked all the way down to Wendy's, which was like about maybe about a half mile round trip, not too far at all. And that still took me like 30 minutes each way, trouncing my way through the snow there and everything. But uh, yeah, we don't get that very often down here, maybe once every few years or so. Yeah, I mean, the only good thing is it's happening on the weekend, so it's not really affecting, uh, you know, people going to work. And uh, But it is really nasty out. So, uh, you know, I'm spending my time sorting cards and putting cards in the pages and uh, doing some TTM stuff and recording the podcast. And, it's you know, it's kind of it's kind of cool. All, all, all the whole family's here. My daughter's in from college and she brought her friend. So they're in for a couple of days. They had a couple of days off. And so we're uh, we we got a full house and it, it's kind of nice, but uh, you know we can we, we can always talk cards, right, Drew? There's there's never a time when we don't want to talk card, cards and collecting. So guys, we have a great show coming up for you. I just want to remind everyone about our radio show on the Sports Map Radio Network. It is it, it goes every Sunday from 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. and they've been playing it at from 10 a.m. to uh, not uh, 11 a.m. as well. Uh, if you don't have a sports map radio station in your area, you can just go on uh, the apps, your app store, download the sports map radio app, and then you can listen to the show right from your phone. But you can also listen to it on the radio. We are Drew and I are now officially radio stars, right, Drew? Oh yeah. I'm watching my back though because you know video killed the radio star, so I'm. Uh, <laughs> hey, I don't need a. Don't need a knife in me. And the name of this show uh, is the Sports Collectors Club. So if you want to learn more about the, the show, it's go, go to sportscollectorsclub.com. You can listen to our old shows. And I usually post the, the new shows, the current shows, um, Sunday afternoon, sometime after it's run on the radio. So go check it out. Sports Collectors Club, sportscollectorsclub.com. It's on the Sports Map Radio Network. And we're very proud of that show. But we also have uh, our, our podcast, which we love. And it the podcast has extended interviews and uh, different content so it's different content than you will find on radio shows so this week we have two really fun interviews we finally got to talk to uh, Antoine Walker Antoine Walker of course was an NBA three-time NBA all-star played for numerous teams including the Boston Celtics he was a member of the 2006 uh, world champion Miami Heat and we talk about his really colorful career and we talk about 
uh, collecting and autographs. So it's it's a fun interview. And then we also talk with Greg Rollins. Greg Rollins is from a really fun group on Facebook. It's called America's Pastime. Um, and it's all about baseball. And Greg has over, I think now, 225 former Major League uh, people, players in his group, as well as uh, I think 25,000 um, people that are in the group. So if you love baseball, it's really a cool group. You go on Facebook, just put in uh, America's favorite pastime and uh, you got to apply to get in the group and Greg will let you in. And Greg does all sorts of cool stuff. We talked to Greg about baseball, about his group. I actually talked to Greg before the announcement of the Hall of Fame stuff. So we don't really cover much of the Hall of Fame um, stuff in the interview, but we do talk about uh, baseball and what's going on with the whole blockout and some uh, the, you know, we talk about his group as well. So it's a really fun interview. And we're going to play that interview kind of near the end of Baker's Dozen. And then uh, the Antoine Walker interview will be at the end of the show. And then next week, February 6th, we get, we got a, uh, a two-pronged track attack again. We have Jeff Owens, who is the editor of Sports Collectors Digest. And uh, we're going to talk about the hobby and what's going on in the hobby and, and get uh, Jeff's take on the Fanatics and Tops deal and uh, what to store for that great publication. And then we also uh, have Ryan Nolan. Ryan is a collector and he's written a new book called Spotting Fakes. And with all this uh, stuff that's been going on with fakes in the hobby, I thought it'd be a good idea to talk to Ryan about his take on, on spotting, identifying fake cards and some of the, the scams that have been going on in the hobby. So we'll, we'll talk, we'll have Ryan Nolan next week as well. So we are, we keep bringing as many people as we can on to the show to talk to you guys about what's happening in the hobby and uh, to talk, bring on former athletes. And, and I think we're, we're doing a good job. So if you have any interest in being a guest, cause we love to have guests, uh, they're really a passion about collecting, a passion about DTM. Or if you have any ideas and suggestions for the show, how do you how do you, uh, you you contact us, Drew? That would be ttmcast at yahoo.com. Yeah, or you can text us. Our, our text line is 978-729-0662. So we have all our regular segments this week, but we're going to start with Baker's Dozen. Baker's Dozen is coming up next. Dozen is a, song, a new summary of what's been going on in the hobby, and Drew, it's unbelievable. We just it, it just keeps on going, right? This this is our hobby is has not been boring for the last like two or three years. It just seems like every week we have something going on in the hobby. Yeah, especially I mean, ever since COVID hit, it just seems like everybody's looking for something that they can be able to do easily from home. And I mean, card collecting is one of the top ones you could possibly do. Yeah, I mean, and and. We have the NFL uh, playoffs this uh, past this about, what, about two or three weeks now, right? This is this is our third week of playoffs. So we have the divisional finals this week, and then the Super Bowl in two weeks. And uh, what a weekend for the for the NFL playoffs, huh? I have, I probably, I don't think I have ever seen as good a weekend of football as last weekend's uh, four games were. That was just there. There were no duds in the bunch, which is amazing. I mean, half the time it can be 50-50 sometimes, you know, as to whether you're getting a good game or not, and. Getting four out of four being great. Oh man, that is that's I I have no complaints at all. No, I know I was rooting for Brady and Gronk because I wanted them to get in. I was really I'm really I was really rooting for a Brady uh, Jimmy G game this week. That would have been that would have been fun as a former a Patriot fan. Two former Patriots going at it, and I I just love Gronk. But you know the Tampa almost came back and, and they should have won the game. The Rams tried to give them the game and they just couldn't do it. And then they 
uh, Matt Stafford, who is, I don't know, I don't know what, I don't know what to say about Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford is Tony Eason. He's like, I, I, he just is, is one of those guys. But he, he, he came through with that great pass to, to Cooper Cup, who should be the MVP. And, um, you know, we want to talk about kind of the three guys we think whose cards have seen the greatest interest and increase in value. Uh, as a result of the, their exploits on the field. And first, um, the guy, the one guy whose cards have gone through the roof was kind of, he, he had a, a shining star on him when he came into the league and he got hurt. And now we're talking, of course, about Cincinnati quarterback, Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow has had just a fabulous playoff and had seen his cards just uh, increase exponentially. I mean, it's great to see because, I mean, you don't always get attention put on guys from like that in a small market and everything, but I mentioned before that it helps that, you know, he's went to LSU, which has a huge fan base, went to Ohio State, which has a huge fan base. So there's always going to be attention on him. I mean, he could be playing it anywhere, just about, it seems like. And people are going to be uh, people are going to be following him. People are going to be fans of him. And to see him putting up numbers like that and putting himself into a conference championship game in only what his third season now, second season, something like that. That's great. I love it. Yeah, he looks so poised in the in the pocket. And I think he's going to be a, a good one for the next 10 or 15 years. So uh, I would highly recommend uh, getting Joe Burrow cards, you know, especially his rookie and his kind of, what are the, what, the, you know, the the insert type cards, right? Those yeah. those are great investments. The next guy uh, is the guy from the Buffalo Bills wide receiver uh, who had four touchdowns in a, in a playoff game, which is a record. No one in the history of the NFL has had four touchdowns in a game. And, of course, we're talking about Gabriel Davis from the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Gabriel Davis uh, is a rookie, kind of came out of nowhere. He wasn't really a – a herald, heralded rookie, but he did come on uh, near the end of the season, had probably three or four good weeks um, near the end of the season. Uh, and I think, you know, he's a guy to watch. Yeah. And he was even saying a couple of days ago, he thought he deserved a lot more playing time in uh, 2021. And the best thing you can do is, you know, when you're given that playing time, go out and prove that you deserve more. And he picked one hell of a time to do it there. So uh, I'd be interested in seeing what he gets next year in terms of playing time, in terms of what his cards do. Wide receivers don't tend to have the same value that quarterbacks do, but once in a while, I mean, you just, you know, jump on the hot name there and hope it stays hot. And I think he's, uh, he's got a good chance of possibly being that guy. Yeah. I know after the the game, his cards went through the roof, right? You, yeah. you, used to be able, you would probably go to go to uh, a card show the, the week before uh, the playoffs this past weekend and uh, get a Gabriel Davis card for a quarter or 50 cents or whatever. But now, um, his car, cards are, are, are soaring. So I know I have uh, the, the Gabriel Davis. I have a, a Panini Select uh, card of him, and I have a Prism. I have a bunch of Prism cards I saw. So they're, they are out there, and, um, you know, they're still on still on the shelves in some of the, the, the releases that are out there. And the last guy is a guy that I, I love. He has a 2018 uh, Donruss rated rookie card is his, his big rookie card, and um, course we're talking about the guy that throws the ball to uh gabriel davis is josh allen boy is he uh you know he has the size he has the speed he uh is poised and uh his matchups with patrick Mahomes are uh, something to behold it's i mean it's kind of amazing there I'm, I'm sure the jets fans and browns fans out there are wanting to kick their front offices for passing up on him third quarterback taking that draft and that's one where i'm going to gladly admit that i was completely wrong because i mean number one I did not want the Browns to draft Baker Mayfield first overall, but the biggest one I said, I do not want Josh Allen either. And uh, oops. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, he, boy, he, he's got size, right? He yeah. has, he has, uh, when he runs the ball, that that's the one thing that, that kills the teams. Cause he, 
he'll just he'll, he could be a, a a third running back in in there, and he also has a rifle of an arm. I mean, he sometimes I, I feel bad for his receivers because he just throws it so fast. Yeah, I mean, he was launching darts down the field that most guys would, you know, have to arc a ways to get down there. And he's just, you know, launching it like just a straight rifle cannon shot there. And it's like, wow, all right, then. this I guess this guy actually was pretty good there. So, uh, yeah, I will happily admit to being wrong on Josh Allen uh, when uh, when he was drafted there. So, and again, good to see that. You know, it's another small market guy that's uh, really proved himself big and making it big in the hobby. So, glad to see that. And, yeah, I mean, I've been uh, sorting some cards here the last couple of weeks and came across a couple of Josh Allen uh Rookie cards, some of the lower end stuff like classics kind of stuck in there. And I was like, oh, we'll go ahead and pull this out and put it in the rookie box now, I think. So, yep. yeah, it's I always really fun like coming across rated, those. I really like that 2018 rated rookie card. Oh, yeah. Uh, and yep. there, I think they're going for uh, ungraded. I think they're still between like 40 and $50, right? Yeah. Yeah, they're definitely still accessible and everything. They're not, you know, through the roof like some of the Mahomes stuff out there. So I think Josh Allen would be a good bandwagon to jump on, even though they're out of the playoffs this year. Uh, I think he's got a lot ahead of him. Yeah, because I think Mahomes is like, Two to three hundred dollars minimum for an ungraded rookie card, and probably closer to four hundred if it's in. It looks like it's going to be a, a nine or ten. So, well, uh, you know, enjoy the the rest of the, the playoffs this week, and then can't wait for the Super Bowl. It's it's uh, been a great playoff run. Uh, one thing, well, one thing that uh, cut our cut our eye is um, eBay uh, unveiled the new authenticity guarantee for ungraded cards, and uh, what that means is that any card. That uh, is purchased on eBay that is unvalued of $750 or more. And this is ungraded. eBay is going to uh, send it out to a third party authentication company at, at no extra charge to the seller or the buyer. And what that, uh, for the, the buyer, that gives you peace of mind that you know that if you buy a card that's an ungraded card that's worth $750 or more. There's going to be a couple day delay in terms of you getting the card back, but because the seller is going to send the card out to this third party authentication company, the company is not going to grade it, but it, they are going to authenticate it that it is a real card. Uh, they're not uh, looking at uh, patches or autograph cards right now, just ungraded cards of valued at $750 or more. Um, they probably will do those later down the road. And uh, I think it's a good deal with all the scams going on and all the, the fake cards out there. And uh, I, th I think it's a plus for the collector, don't you, Drew? I definitely do. I mean, the more that anybody, whether it's the seller or the buyer, can protect themselves, the better off everybody is. I mean, like you said, we've seen a lot of crazy stuff last few weeks with uh, fakes getting passed in shows all over the country, especially with the arrests there in Dallas. And I mean, unfortunately, those were on fake graded cards as well, but that's the, I mean, just even just getting any kind of authentication on ungraded cards definitely helps things. So I'm glad to see that eBay is doing that. I mean, we've talked before, they sold something, what, several billion dollars in cards last year. So they're protecting themselves on this as well, because I mean, if they were, uh, if there was ever kind of, kind of a lawsuit over uh, fake cards getting passed, they could give, easily be, uh, be a target for it. So they're protecting their own self. They're protecting the buyer. They're protecting the seller. I think it's a great idea. I, I saw a fun, uh, stat or, or comment the other day that every four seconds ebay sells a card i believe it that's that's amazing that's, wow. <laughs> every four seconds they're selling a card so uh you know if they take the lead in, in you know we're talking about faking cards and um you know our well, again, i brought ryan nolan who is the uh a collector and author 
on the show next week. And he wrote a new book. It's called Identifying Fake Cards. Uh, and it really takes the 50 uh, most common bogus cards and really looks at them and shows uh, a fake card and a real card and shows what to look for in these cards. And you take everything from football to basketball to to baseball cards. And uh, it's a 188-page book. It's available on Amazon. It's only $18.13. Ryan's a young kid, uh, but he he's really big into collecting him and him and he has a co-author that they wrote this cool book. It just came out um, in December. So if I would recommend going on Amazon and checking it out. It's called uh, Identifying Fake Cards, Spotting uh, spotting Fakes. Check it out. Uh, just put in Ryan Nolan uh, in the author on Amazon and you can find the book. We're going to have Ryan on next week to talk about the book. But, um, you know, there's, there's, as Bruce said, there's a lot, of, a lot of chicanery going on in the hobby. And uh, this kind of shines a light on it. And uh, you know goes along with what eBay is doing. Uh, one uh, auction or two auction notes, really. I just saw yesterday Heritage Sports auctioned off a 1971 Bert Blylevin rookie card. It's the only PSA 10 uh, version of this card known, and it sold for $138,000 uh, on, on auction. So we're talking the 1971 Bert Blylevin rookie. That's the one with the black borders. Just to uh, put into uh, focus how much cards are increasing in value. A year ago, that same card got auctioned off by Heritage for $55,000. And in 2012, you want to go back to 2012 when it originally sold, it sold for $15,000. It's part of the Dimitri Young collection. And, and you know, everyone knows Dimitri Young, former player, had this huge, like, pristine collection, probably one of the best collections out there. And he probably should have held on to it, if, <laughs> looking hindsight, right? But so from 2012 to 2022, the card went from $15,000 to $138,000. So uh, the market on cards is still incredible. Um, it's a great card. I haven't signed. Do you have, a, you have a copy of that card, Drew? I don't, but I mean, I'm, I'm just impressed by the fact there's any PSA 10s out there. You mentioned those black borders there, and it's like, has it just been handled with velvet tweezers for the last, you know, 50 years or what exactly? But to get through all that time in gem mint condition, that's that's more surprising than even the price there to me. No, I know. And right. It, it's people want one of ones. If, if, you yep. know, it's the only one out there. PSA 10, uh, you know, great find. It's a great buy because I'm probably probably in two years. The cards will be worth two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Yeah. Right. Yep. And then uh, our friends at Memory Lane uh, have an uh, auction going on. It's uh, it's starting on the February 5th. It's the 5th to the 19th. They have 1,750 high-end items available. Go to MemoryLaneInc.com. Uh, you know, Memory Lane always puts on a great auction there. They have always uh, top-notch quality stuff. Check it out. Uh, it's even cool. If you're not, even if you don't want to bid on anything, you can just check out what they have online because the, the this every time I look at something I, I get envious because I want that that item it's usually way out of my budget but it's still cool to look at that all that kind of stuff a couple of things in, in uh, show news is all sorts of shows going on which is really fabulous the uh, Houston show Tri TriStar show at uh, the NRG Arena is next weekend February 4th to the 6th they have all sorts of people signing Dan Issel Tony Dorsett Ty Law, Warren Moon, Rocky Blyer, Eric Dickerson, Elvin Hayes, Jack Ham, all sorts of Astros and baseball players. Uh, TriStar always puts on a great show. I believe this is their 36th year for the Houston show. So if you want to learn more about it, uh, go to TriStarProductions.com. Kind of a cool show. And then there's a smaller show 
here in New England on the um, 4th and 5th, uh, or I guess the 5th and 6th, maybe. And uh, it is, is set Saturday and Sunday. It's in Princeton, Rhode Island. It's the Princeton, Rhode Island uh, show. They've, they've been putting this show on forever. It's at uh, Cranston High School. Um, they'll have some local guys signing. It's, it's a really great show for vintage cards. It's the smallest show, but it, it, there's a lot of vintage cards there. I've gone probably three or four last five years. And I always seem to get cool stuff at the show for good prices. So I'm going to head down uh, next weekend to the show on Saturday, and I'll, we'll, I'll report on it uh, in a, on our show in a couple of weeks. So that, that that's one. And then one other show is the Las Vegas Sports Card and Collectible Show, which is Saturday, February 12th. It's at the Green Valley Ranch Resort Spa Casino, and our friends at CSG will be. They'll be CSG will be there. They'll be accepting. Grading cards for grading submission, and they're going to offer a two-week turnaround, which is really pretty cool. And the first 300 people that attend also get a free uh, gift bag. You can go to frontrowcardshow.com to learn more about it. It's uh, Again, it's Saturday, February 12th at the Green Valley uh, Ranch Resort Spa and Casino, and it's Las Vegas Sports Card and Collectibles Show. Check that out. We have one new release to report. Um, new release is um, 2021 Panini Ball, playoff football. It has two autos, one relic, four parallels, 12 inserts, and 12 rookies. Boxes are going for $225. Uh, Drew, have you seen this one? Have I have not yet. No, I haven't had a chance to really check out much of the uh, football stuff before it comes out. Yeah, so it's uh, uh, it looked kind of cool. So, um, again, it's Panini uh, playoff football. It's coming out on February 2nd, which is uh, next this this week coming up, and $225. Uh, you get two autos, which is pretty cool, and there's all sorts of insert so if that it, it, when you see that let me know if you, you got anything good and then we had the baseball hall of fame announce their their one recipient their one inductee um drew why don't we talk a little about the the hall of fame vote and some of the guys that the guy that made it and some of the guys that didn't make it we'll talk about uh some of his cards so you know it, it's no surprise david ortiz big poppy red sock my I'm a big fan of i see i saw probably 95 percent of his games Great clutch hitter, uh, great guy. I actually met him, and, uh, you know, he made the Hall of Fame. That's great. Um, but two guys that didn't make it um, probably should have. Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens. What do you think? I still would not vote for them. I mean, I may have mentioned it before, but I can't really begrudge anybody who does vote for them at this point because, I mean, if you look at their careers, Barry Bonds was a Hall of Famer before he got on the alleged uh, performance enhancers there, and – as I mean, Roger Clemens had at least a kind of borderline case for it, even before he got on anything. But so it's like if you, if you vote for them, I'm not exactly opposed to the vote for them. But I personally, if I had a vote, I would not ever vote for them. You can't would you just have voted you know, for Ortiz. What's that? Would you have voted for Ortiz? Probably not. And I mean, the reason being, I mean, he has that positive test that the MLBPA and MLB refused to recognize being a positive test because, well, the, the results weren't supposed to have gotten out there. And also Ortiz played pretty much his entire career at a fake position of designated hitter. I make no effort to hide my disdain for the DH. So, no, I would not vote for him. I would not have voted for Edgar Martinez. I would not have voted for uh, Harold Baines. So, but I mean, overall, out of those three, to me, oh, Ortiz, wait, 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 just to, to, to step back on that. Yeah. Would you have voted for Mariano Rivera? That's another tough one, too, is I it's tough to put closers in for me, too. So, I mean, even a guy like Rivera, Rivera, at least with his, he was clearly the greatest closer of all time. So I can make a case for that somewhat. He was a, he would have been a great pitcher no matter what his role was. 
So right, he kind of got. Scott, how about Goose Gossage? That's another one where I don't know that I necessarily would. Um, Raleigh Fingers, same thing. Lee Smith, same thing. I just, I don't know. Pitchers, it's a little bit different. DHs, I just, no, nah, I can't get behind it. Unless you're going to start putting in a guy who is like the best pinch hitter of all time, I can't really make a, I can't really get along with that. So until I see the uh, Smokey Burgess plaque in the Hall of Fame, I'm going to be opposed to a designated hitters going in. Well, a DH, and, uh, I mean, a guy like Joe Ortiz probably played 150 games and Edgar Martinez the same you know, for multiple years and they excelled at, at hitting, obviously, if you want to look at Rivera, Rivera only pitched in 30 or 40 games in a year. It's not like, you know I mean? Even a starting pitcher, a starting pitcher only pitches in 25 or 30 games. So I, I don't, I don't, I really don't agree with, with that. If you, if, and I don't even have a, a problem if a guy is the, the best pinch hitter and I know it's only, what are, what are they, what do they pinch hit 20 games? Right. Then, uh, mm-hmm. you know, are you, are you going to put in uh, what's his name? Yeah, uh, her her Washington because he was the best pinch runner of all time. Mm-hmm. You know, I, mean, I get I guess you got to draw a line somewhere, but yeah, um, I think I think the DH. You know, it's been in 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 existence since 1974. Now it's part of the game, and I, I think you kind of I, I think if you vote in Ortiz, you kind of have to vote in. Bonds and Clemens. I think they both. I think they're. I, I think because the 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 steroids. I think you almost have to strip that out because it's that it, it's part of the era. And you know, even like a guy like Manny Ramirez. Manny Ramirez was a great hitter. Would you put in Manny Ramirez? I mean, you were an Indians fan. You you saw what he did when he was a, a, with the Indians. There's a sub zero chance I would ever vote for Ramirez. I mean, he had two positive tests on top. He quit because of them. No, and I know. just no, I would not be able to put him in. I can't put Gary Sheffield in for the same reason. I mean, we don't know how much those, how much the performance enhancers boosted their stats, but you can get kind of an idea when you look at a guy like Barry Bonds. Nobody has the prime of their career happen after the age of forty without significant chemical help. And Barry yeah, no, Bonds no, had exactly that. that. But, but yeah. he was he was certainly a four hundred home run, four hundred stolen base guy right. before he ever dove into steroids i think and you know i think part of the 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 reason that bonds and clemens didn't get in was because of their personality not because of their performance on the field or even off the field i think it was just i think personality played a a huge role in ortiz getting in and and those two guys not getting in right and i mean i'm not saying that as like for bonds I'm, i'm just saying that if you use that kind of bond standard there of how much his stats increased then you have to use that on a guy like a Manny Ramirez or a a Gary Sheffield. Sheffield got to over 500 home runs, but we don't know how much of that was chemically enhanced exactly. I mean, according to Game of Shadows, he was using them right alongside Bonds and everything. But would he have gotten to that 500 home run plateau without them? I don't think he would have. Would Manny Ramirez have gotten to that 500 home run plateau without them? I have to doubt that as well. So to me, I mean, if a guy is known as a definite user, or at least there's a heavy amount of evidence in the way there is with Bonds and Clemens, I personally can't vote for them, even if they were so great before its use. It's just why exactly? I mean, why would you take a Hall of Fame career and destroy it like that by just, you know, trying to push yourself even further over the top? Just accept that you're one of the greatest of all time and go with that. I mean, there's a billion people out there that would absolutely love to be just one of the greatest. And I mean, if if you're in the if obviously, I mean, you prefer to be in the discussion for the greatest, but I think Bonds would have been without the drugs. So yeah, I just I don't know. It's just it was greed on his part, and I can't I can't go along with it. So no, I would not vote for him at all. And I'm yeah, glad I mean to see I agree. Here. I feel as a baseball fan, I cheat. I feel cheated that I didn't get to see these guys 
play out their natural career, right? If they weren't enhanced one way or another, uh, it would have it would have been good to see how far these guys could have taken themselves. And, and obviously, Barry Bonds was not going to hit seventy whatever home runs a year without the help. I mean, you look at his physique and what it did to him. It didn't obviously help him hit a baseball. He knew not knew how to hit a baseball. Right. It just extended his career, uh, his uh, strength, right, and yeah. and made him uh, not susceptible to getting getting injured, I guess. But uh, it's just too bad. But you know, talking about da- David Ortiz, I'm very happy personally that he got in, and I like to just kind of talk about uh, three of his rookie cards because um, he you know, he came up. With, his name was David Arias, Arias, right? Yeah, Arias. David Arias. So he was. David Arias and um, one of his rookie cards, and then he changed his name, and I'm not quite sure why he, he changed his name, but he did. What well, do you know? Do you remember why he changed his name? Was it a, a thing with because uh, of his family, or I don't remember why he changed his name. That I don't know, but I know a lot of uh, a lot of Latin American players. They have their uh, both their father's last name and mother's last name together on a lot of things. So it may be one is one's last name, and one is the others. Because I think if I remember right, like. Uh, Sandy Alomar and Roberto Alomar, they're technically Sandy Alomar's full name would be Santos Alomar Velasquez or something like that. Yeah. But he's always gone by Sandy Alomar because, I mean, Western tradition seems to be that it follows the uh, patronymic name goes down. But with a lot of the uh, Latin American names, they also have the mother's name. They're typically kind of like might appear in parentheses afterward or something like that. So maybe Ortiz was a case like that. I, I really don't know. I haven't really looked into that. All right, well, on his 1997 Fleer uh, card, it's it's under David Arias. It's David Arias' rookie card. It's number 512 and uh, ungraded, I think, goes for what, $70, $80. And then graded goes for a couple hundred dollars. The 1997 uh, Fleer Ultra, David Arias' rookie card, it's card number 518 and ungraded. That, that that goes for, I think, 50 to $60, and graded it goes for about $300. There's an ultra gold medallion version as well, which is which gives it a little boost in value. And then uh, the one that I like is the Topps 1998. I'm a big fan of Topps, um, and I like the Topps 1998 2000, uh, two, it's a 1998 Topps two, card number 257. It's his rookie prospect card. He shares it with a couple other players, and you can get that for under $20. I actually got it I went, about two weeks ago. I don't know why some guy had it listed for a buck. I put a buck down on a bid and I got it. Nice. <laughs> so, it, you know, you can, it, there's, there's bargains out there, but it was just a nice card. I know it's not his true rookie, quote unquote, rookie card, but it is his top rookie card. And I always consider, in my mind, I always consider that one of the rookie cards that I want. Uh, I don't know about you, Joe. Is that, is that your feeling as well? I don't really consider it a rookie card, but the first tops card of a player does kind of carry a little bit of extra weight on things. So I definitely get why uh, why you go for that and why you, why clearly collectors are going for it is it's uh, going up in price there. So yeah, it's uh, it's a good grab at the very least. Well, with that wraps up Baker's dozen for the week. But before we get into making the grade, we have an interview with uh, play my interview with Greg Rollins. Greg is um, has a really cool site on Facebook. It's it's a, called America's Pastime. It's a uh, baseball site, and he has over two hundred, I think twenty five or two hundred fifty major leaguers in the uh, that are members of his group. And there's over twenty five thousand uh, baseball fans that are members of the group. Drew and I are both members of the group. It's a fun group. There's also always cool posts about what's going on in baseball, uh, be it lockout or something that's happening on the field. There was a lot of uh, 
stuff going on talking about David Ortiz and, and the Hall of Fame. So uh, please enjoy my interview with Greg Rollins. Joining us on the program from his home in West Virginia is Greg Rollins. Greg is administrator and founder of a fantastic Facebook group called America's Pastime, The Love for Baseball. He has over 20, almost 24,000 uh, members in the group, and it's a fantastic group. And I thought we'd talk to Greg about baseball, his group, and, and collecting. So welcome to the program, Greg. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. You're welcome. You know, one of the, the things that I noticed, I joined the group, I don't know, maybe two or three months ago, and uh, you guys just keep adding ML and former MLB players to, to your uh, to your site. How has that been going? It's been going good. I feel like I let them down if I don't uh, invite a new one every day. So, I mean, we're like, I think we're at 201 right now. And my goal for the group is to invite a new player every single day. Um, obviously, that's not feasible, but that's my goal. So, it's been a fun ride. The networking just gets easier the more uh, players that I – talk to so it's gotten easier along the way uh, believe it or not we're talking about greg's group it's on facebook it's called america's pastime the the love for baseball uh it's a private group you can go check it out you you search uh love of baseball i guess on, on facebook and you can uh, request to join the group but it, it is everything and everything you can ever want about baseball the uh, greg why don't you tell us a little about what people can find on the group I mean, it's a little bit of everything, uh, historical photos. We try to do some historical debates based on, you know, best players of each generation. Uh, we do all-time teams, uh, a lot of interaction with the players. Like I said before, there's 201 players. A lot of them post regularly. will comment, the like post. So you might get an inside perspective on some of the tidbits of the game you may not know otherwise because they may drop some uh, new knowledge on you from their personal experience in their playing days. So, I mean, to me, it's, it's been fun because, like, there was a fan a few months back that asked Doug Mankiewicz about catching that home run or the, the, the ball from Keith Folk, I believe, to reverse the curse. And just the guy was at awe that he's like, Doug Mankiewicz talked to me. And, like, it made his day. So I know how I feel talking to these guys. And I hope if I could just bring a little bit of that to each person in the group and you know, uplift their day in today's crazy world, then I feel like I'm doing something. Well, uh, the guys seem to be really uh, interactive with, with uh, their fans, and it's, it's kind of cool. I think uh, it lets them relive their, their glory days, so to speak, don't you think? I mean, absolutely. And it's funny that you said that because I feel like they're having just as much fun as I am because most days there's someone that reaches out to me on Messenger and thanks me for the group, you know, and as a former player. They're like, thank you for giving us a platform. Um, this is awesome. They've invited the friends that they played with. So it's 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 uncommon if I don't get through a day where I'm not speaking to somebody and they're usually reaching out to me. So it, it's it's been a wild ride. One of the neat things you, you do on the site is is you have an autograph giveaway. And I was lucky enough to win one of the autographs. I think it was one of the first autographs. I think I was the second or th the third winner. I want to mark the tell autograph picture. So thank you very much. That's uh, added to my collection, cherished cherish new piece um you know have the guys been, been uh really receptive to giving you autograph stuff to give away and, and how's that been going yeah we're up to about two dozen players um that's willing to do it um i haven't reached out to all of them obviously i'm just kind of taking it slow my plans to do one or two a month 
Um, and I was going to get through these first, you know, a couple dozen first and then go from there. I do have more interviews lined up that's not in the autograph pool, so I'm sure those guys will do it as well. Um, but they're more than receptive. They're just like, you know, here's my address. Send me what you got, baseball cards, photos, whatever. We'll send it right back to you. And they've been more than receptive about it. So, um, and you talked about Mark Littell. You got the first – that was the first one. And I'll say this about Mark. Of all the players I've interviewed – He's probably the most interesting out of all of them. He's got a story that, I mean, every story he tells, you're just like, man, this guy should be on the DeSecchi's commercials. He's that interesting. Yeah, um, do you plan on having any uh, fan interaction along fans to send their cards into you to, to send off to, to players to get signed or to be a go-between? Because I know, you know, we're an autograph uh, group. You know, we love, we love collecting autographs and TTM through the mail and, uh, you know, I think that'd be a nice feature. Is that something you, you hope to do? I mean, I'm open to it. I haven't really considered it yet. Um, I've just been kind of, you know, doing what I'm doing now, getting, I've been sending off cards, my personal cards, and then I'm giving some of them away. Um, and then finding photos that's good enough to be autographed online and then sending those away as well. But um, what I am planning on doing in the new year is, um, bringing on guys that are players and, and like, let's say he played for the Expos or the Nationals and if find find us a, a super fan, so to speak. Um, and I'm going to go and drop one name because he's already very adamant about doing it. Like a Chad Cordero, you know, former closer for the uh, Expos and Nats. Bring on a fan of the Nats or the Expos with me and let them ask the guy several questions. And I'm just kind of there as the filter in between. And then I think that would make someone's day getting to go live with one of their uh, icons as a player. So do you do uh, videos as well, or do you have your own podcast? We have a podcast that's uh, called, we don't know sports. Uh, and it's also all over social media, mainly on Facebook. Um, that's me and my buddies. Um, there's three, four of us now and we cover all sports in that. Um, so, you know, we decided all to branch off, off of that. And, and create groups. So we have hockey, basketball, football, and baseball groups, and we're each in charge of one. So they kind of go hand in hand because the page sponsors all the groups. So, yeah, we have the podcast, and then I do like a spinoff in the baseball group with video, and it also goes to Win on Know Sports podcast. It's called Beat the Shift with Greg Rawlings, and that's the baseball uh, part of it, uh, the spinoff of our regular podcast. So you that you're bringing you're bringing former players on and, and talking about their careers and, and uh, kind of getting some feedback from them on, on your podcast. Yeah, absolutely. We'll do fan questions. We'll say, "Hey, I've got so and so coming on, like a Doug Mankiewicz." You know, drop your questions down here in the comments. I'll make sure I reference your name and ask the question. You know, let them know it came from you, and then I'll tag you in the uh, once we publish the video, and that way we know that you know that we asked your question, and then Doug knew it came from you that type of thing. Now I know that, you know, the players are, are, are gracious, gracious enough to join the group. And uh, I, I'm assuming, because I, I think I saw this somewhere that um, you, you request that the people that are in the group don't ask for autographs or one-on-one or, uh, -on -one interaction with the players. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, I don't right now. Um, I don't want them being bombarded um, with requests. That's why I'm trying to, kind of be the middleman and allow and you know, get some of the stuff out there for the fans. And it's free memorabilia. It's not like you're having to pay a dime for it. You just get in the drawing, you get the free autographs or whatever. But 
I don't want to be bombarded. Not all of them, but some of them may end up leaving because that's not why they're there. They're really there to kind of share their experiences. And then I look at it as the ones that were willing to participate or gracious enough to do it. But I don't want to chase them off. You know, it's a good thing we got going. So if a few of them don't, are not comfortable with it, you know, that's fine. They don't all have to be comfortable with it. Who, who are some of the players that are pretty active on the site right now? Uh, Jack McDowell's very uh, – he's very involved on there. We have – John Jaha's on there a lot. Ron Blomberg, the first ever DH. Manny Sanguin, he don't really comment a lot, but he likes a lot of stuff. Mike Hampton's on there a lot. Uh, we have uh, Brett Boone's on there a lot. And then I'm trying to think who else. There's several players. Uh, Mike Heath's on there a lot. So, I, could, I mean, I could keep going on and on and on. Norm Charlton's been chiming in a lot here the last few weeks. So, we're talking about, like, all-star players. You know, these guys – you know, they're not, they're not Hall of Famers by any means, but they're multi-time All-Stars, and they're on there commenting regularly. Denny McClain's been on there several times, so that's just a few of the names to drop right there. What is, what is something that you learned from, from a feedback from the players? Because I know you, you monitor all the, all, all the uh, activity, correct? So you, you, you probably know more than anyone of what's going on on the site, um, you know, on the, in the group. What, what are some of the things that you've learned that, that you didn't know? I mean – I've learned a ton of trivia. Like there's so much that I've learned as far as just the little tidbits of the game. And then it's caused me to want to just dive in to all kinds of documentaries. Like last week I watched the uh, battered bastards of baseball dealing with the Seattle uh, situation, which I knew nothing about. It was amazing documentary. Uh, the, uh, uh, once upon a time in Queens was amazing. I watched it last week. And then I watched the documentary about Ted Williams who was my grandpa's all-time favorite player. And I have a lot of memorabilia about Ted Williams, um, but it was called 406, a great documentary about that. So just, I mean, could you imagine being around in 1941 when you got DiMaggio with the streak and that's what it's all about. Then all of a sudden it ends and then Ted Williams shifts to Ted and like, can he bat 400? And that's all going on in the same season. I mean, I couldn't even imagine, just give me a damn time machine, man. I couldn't imagine being there for that. I know. Imagine the media uh, focus and the media attention nowadays with social media and you know twenty four hour news. Twenty four hour news. It's just the the pressure on these guys would be incredible. And you know they were followed by all the newspapers and, and, and uh, radio at that point, but not as much as they would today. I mean, and, and I touched on that on the four hundred six documentary because after Ted, you had guys who snipped it. You had like Rod Crew, Tony Gwynn, George Brett. Um, Rod Carew basically said, listen, he, and I think he ended up hitting like around 388 or whatever. Yep. But uh, he said the, the pressure is what did him in. And he's like, and I'm not even a power hitter. I'm more of a slap hitter. But, you know, that's saying you got to get up and be two for five every day. It wears on you. And then George Brett, for God's sakes, he got hemorrhoids. Didn't even know what they were because of the stress. And he was like, they're like, you got hemorrhoids, George. Are you under a lot of pressure? And he's like, yeah, I think you could say that. And then he <laughs> hit like 390. And then we know, all know about Tony Gwynn in 94, what could have been, you know, between him and the Expos. So uh, I don't think anyone will ever hit 400 again. It's just the game is too specialized. You might see three or four pitchers a game now on every game, really. So, I mean, I think 400 is a number we will never see again. And that's, I think that's pretty much a fact. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it's just too much. That The uh, documentary that you mentioned, The, the Batted uh, Bastards of Baseball, was fabulous. I, I didn't know anything about that. You know, I'm, I'm an East Coast guy. You're an East Coast guy. Um, and that happened, what, back in the early 70s? 
Yeah, it was uh, 70s, and then, uh, yeah, it was late 70s. Yeah, and it was it was just a very interesting story, and, and uh, Kurt Russell's father <laughs> was the centerpiece of it, and the they you know they interviewed the players, and uh, it was just it, it was just a fabulous documentary. The, the part of that one that shocked me was it's just a bunch of guys, ages you know from 20s all the way up to the mid 30s, and they, it was a joke initially. Then they come in, they start you know crushing everybody. And what I thought was the most petty part, because they went against the good old boys in baseball, the club, they're bringing down triple-A players at the end of the season just so this team couldn't win a championship in single-A. I mean, how petty is that? But no, that's what I they know. say, don't cross the good old boys club, right? I, I, I know. It was really uh, it was a really great uh, documentary, guys. Check it out. It's called The, uh, the Bas- Battered Bastards of Baseball. I think it's on – I don't. What, what was it on? Is it on YouTube or Netflix? Or I forget where I saw it. Uh, it's in a Netflix original. Yeah, Netflix. It's a, it's a, it's a uh, great take. Now, Greg, you're a, a collector as well. Um, what do you, what are you into? What do you, what do you collect? Well, mainly now because we have the studio, you can't really. There's a bunch of stuff you can see behind me, but I have a lot of uh, framed photos. Uh, but it's not just all baseball. Um, it's all sports because this is where we shoot our podcast. But I have some autographs. Um, I was like 12 years old when I started this out. I started at a young age, so I created a form letter back before there was eBay, and I would find the addresses on the back of the Beckett magazine, and I would send it to the baseball clubhouses and ask them, you know, I'm 12 years old, I play Little League, blah, blah, blah. It was a form letter, so I would just keep changing their name and the team, and I sent out mass cards to be autographed, and I'll never forget it. The first one that came back, and I'm a Braves fan, was Tom Glavin of all people. And that was before eBay because – so they didn't even really think about the possibility. He's just trying to profit off my autograph and sell it. And uh, he thought, I'm a little league kid wanting your autograph, and he sent it back to me in the mail in perfect condition. So I've got Tom Glavin. i got um, David Robinson in NBA. I've got Jason Kidd. I ended up getting Mike Mucinas. He's even signed the back of the letter – that he sent back to me. Good luck in Little League, Greg, and signed them like me seeing it again, plus he signed the card that I sent. So that's just a few of them. I've since then collected, like, I've got an Andrew Jones up there. I've got a picture of the Sandlot kids, and three of those kids signed it. So that's a, that's a pretty cool piece, even though it's just the Sandlot kids. I'm trying to look around here. Of course, I've got Mark Rutel. I've got Sid Breen. He signed the picture where he slid with Barry Bonds' noodle arm throw. And then I've got uh, Jeff Hosteller because he's a West Virginia guy. And I'm a Raiders guy. Just, there's several of them, man. I mean, and I just, I don't know. I just love sports. And it ain't just about the autographs. There's so much crap in here. You, I'd love you to come down one of these days and check it out. Yeah, I, I, you can if you can see some of my stuff are, are hanging up as well. So I, <laughs> it's a little, little dark behind me, but I, I my office kind of looks like yours. Um, do you uh, still purchase cards now? Do you buy? Do you like the new stuff, or are you just a, uh, more of a vintage guy? Well, I'm, I'm recently just starting to get back into it. Um, unfortunately, I collected mainly during the downtime when I didn't realize it because I grew up in the late '80s, early '90s. So you know, those cards are not worth a whole lot. But you know, it was fun for us back then, so we collected them anyway. So the majority of my cards are from that time frame. Now you can get like a you know an '89. Griffey rookie upper deck, that's worth some decent money, things like that. You can pick through certain things and find it. I actually bought a 600 card lot off eBay, you know, off Amazon two weeks ago. 
and it was 20 bucks. And I got a Topps Go Derek Jeter 1993 uh, draft pick card. And I got a little looking online, depending on the, uh, the value or the rating of the card, and it, they're worth thousands of dollars. Yep, that's, like, that's kind of cool. Paid $20 for the whole lot. And I'm like, wow. Very, so very cool. Now, are you sending out, do you send out uh, autograph quests still? Oh, I have. I mean, other than the guys in the group, you know, that's really all I've focused on lately. I haven't just sent them out. I think it would be harder today because, you know, for one, I'm a little league kid. And, you know, they might they might frown upon a, you know, 40 year old man saying, hey, I want your autograph and probably think I'm just going to turn around and sell it. I don't know. I haven't really tried. Is there much collecting talk on, uh, in the group? Uh, there's there's not a lot. I've had a, a few people uh, reach out and say that they have groups for that because they haven't seen a ton in there. And I was like, you know, by all means, share it away. I, I'm not opposed to you sharing your group out. You know, we should all be in there helping each other out. If you've got a group that's got value-added material, by all means, share it away. You know, that's what we should do to help each other out. Well, we have, uh, you know, we're talking with Greg Rongs. Greg is uh... – Founder and monitor of a great Facebook group. It's America's pastime, the love for baseball. Uh, just put in the love of baseball in your search in, in Facebook, and that'll come up. It's a private group. You'll have to apply to get into it. But right now, there's almost 24,000 members in the group. He has over 200 major league uh, players in the group as well, so that interact with the fans. It's a really fun group. Um, Greg, I know you know baseball is kind of at a precipice right now with this lockout. Um, what, what's, what's your personal thoughts on it? What do, you, do you think we're going to see the season start on time? Do you think this is going to be in, we're in for the long haul? What do you think? Well, initially, when we talked about this a lot during the stretch run, you know, and I, I initially thought that the season would be delayed, um, but not by a lot. But the only reason I thought it would be delayed is because I felt like when COVID hit, and it got kind of ugly pretty quickly with the owners and the players overplaying with the COVID regulations and whatnot. Um, the owners kind of forced their hand and said, you're coming to work type of thing. So it didn't set well with the players. Um, I felt like we would be starting no later than like late April, if I had to guess. But since the lockout, I haven't heard a peep. There's been no negotiations. There's no plans to meet. So it's not a good sign, man. I mean, we might be looking at half a season or a whole season at this point because – it's January, and, you know, around what late end of the month and early February is when pitchers and catchers start ramping up. So if we don't start ramping up soon, then the pitchers are already going to be, about, be behind. So it don't look good for the game right now at all, the fact that we're not even meeting. It's, it's very frustrating as a fan because I felt like, you know, the games had some momentum. They did, a, they did a good job overall battling through the COVID situation and allowed us to have baseball, you know, plus – I guess the only good thing about all this is, you know, I'm a Braves fan, so I guess that means the longer the season holds out, the longer we're champs, you know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. That's the only thing I can say. Yeah, I mean, you know, last time we had a work stoppage, and, and it took a little while for baseball to come back. And, you know, we had the, uh, the home run races with McGuire and Sosa, and that kind of reinvigorated the sport. And, you know, the, it's a great game, but I just don't know uh, – if they're shooting themselves on the foot by, by, um, you know, by, by, by not holding up, by, by locking out and, and not being able to come down to a, an agreement because there's just so much money out there. And I, I, I think everyone can win. I, I'm not quite sure what, what, what's the holdup. Yeah. And the thing is baseball diehards like you and me, you know, we'll, we'll probably go to the stadium whenever it opens back up because we just love the game, but you got to think of how many casual fans are out there. They just can't, 
they're just not sympathetic over millionaires fighting uh, against billionaires. So they're going to lose a ton of people. I mean, and who wants to pay $15 a beer if you don't have to? You can sit at home and watch it on the MLB network in the comforts of your own home in your couch in your pajamas. So, I mean, they need to think about who's helping pay these salaries. I know you got the crazy TV deals, the radio and all that, but they need the funding from the people in the stands, as was very apparent in the COVID season. We had uh, big news in, in the collecting hobby uh, world on uh, last Tuesday with um, Fanatics purchasing tops. Um, what's your feelings on that uh, as a collector? I, I'm not really sure, to be honest. Like I said, I've just got back in the game now. I will say I love Fanatics, the site I'm on. I would spend way too much money on there buying uh, clothing from that site. Um, <laughs> it's kind of, It was a huge number, man. That kind of threw me off a little bit. I, I think of tops, and I guess because it's the, the vintage thing to me is like I would just would have felt like tops is way bigger than fanatics. So here's fanatics buying out tops. So I think it's just a sign of the times we're in. And you know, I, I, I don't really know what to make of it. So I'll, I'll defer to you. What do you think? Well, I think um, keeping the tops name alive is fantastic. I think uh, the you know they've been producing cards since uh, for seventy years now, and it was really. Uh, bothersome that the top's name was going to go away fanatics knows how to distribute and they not they're a great marketing company and i think they are going to bring a lot of that to tops and i think the availability of baseball cards is now going to be um everywhere you're going to see them at ballparks you're going to see them um in stores and you're going to see you're going to see uh availability of cards everywhere so i think i think all in all it's a good thing really uh tops was going to be uh go have an IPO that was going to be worth about a billion dollars. That's $1 billion uh, before, before they lost the license to, to uh, produce baseball cards from the MLB and uh, fanatics bought tops for $500 million. So basically they got tops for 50 cents on the dollar, which is uh, a great deal. And I think it's a good deal for everyone. I think it's a great deal for fanatics because they buy the expertise of tops. They buy the brands of tops. The, uh, it's a great deal for the Topps employees because there's 300 employees that are now going to be able to keep their jobs. And as a collector, I think it's it, it, it's great, too. I think it's great for the collecting community. So, you know, sometimes there's deals with winners and losers. And I think, you know, there's three sides to this deal. And I think every side is is, is going to come out a winner on it. I mean, just like baseball, man, sometimes there's trades that benefits both sides, you know? Yep. Well, what, what are your uh, your plans for, for the the group uh, coming into 2022? Do you have any any, any great plans that you'd like to share with us? Uh, like I said, there's going to be more interviews uh, beat, with Beat the Shift where fans get to ask their questions to the players. Um, like I said, I want to do a drawing for, like, if you consider yourself like a Cubs fanatic, uh, bring on some Cubs players and let you interview them yourself, um, things like that. ton more autographs to give away. Um, at that point, I mean, down the road, I would love to, uh, you know, start organizing, organize some, uh, maybe some signings and stuff, you know, where you can physically go and meet some players, um, that type of thing. Um, but that's still all in the preliminary stages. So, uh, more of the same, more autograph giveaways. And then, like I said, I'm instituting the, uh, the show where the fans can interview their favorite players. So I think that'd be pretty cool. Very cool. Well, speaking with Greg Rongs, Greg is founder and moderator of a, a great Facebook group. It's called America's Pastime, the love for baseball. It is on Facebook. They have over 23,000 uh, 
followers or people, members of the group. And it's only been in existence since May of 2020. So it's grown exponentially. It's probably one of the biggest groups for baseball on Facebook right now. Um, it is, they have over 200 major league players that interact with the, the fans daily that are just members of the group, volunteer members of the group, just guys that love baseball and love interacting. Greg, why don't you let people know where they can find uh, you on social media and, and let, let's plug the group one more time. Uh, yeah, as far as uh, I go, you can find me on Facebook. Uh, like you said, Greg Rawlings, and I'm uh, America's Pastime. I think if you type it in on Facebook, if you would type in baseball, it'll be one of the top five that show up um, if you want to look at it. But it's America's Pastime Love for Baseball. Um, I'm, I'm very active on Facebook. I have an Instagram on Twitter, but I'm just getting the Twitter fired up. And then also – if you want to check out uh, our whole group, me and my buddies have a platform called We Don't Know Sports. We have a podcast, so you can subscribe to it anywhere you would subscribe to podcasts. We talk about all sports. We have um, the We Don't Know Sports on Facebook. It's on Instagram and on YouTube as well. And if you like the other sports, we have a, a Facebook group called Football is Life. We have a basketball group called All Things Basketball. And we have a hockey group called Puck Talk. So, we have something for a little bit of everybody. Well, guys, check it out. Once again, the group is called America's Pastime, the love for baseball. It's on Facebook. Uh, you have to apply it. It's a private group, so check check it out. Apply. Greg, Greg will let you in. It's a great group. If you're a baseball fan, there's all sorts of uh, pictures and photos and, and uh, data and trivia. And Greg has is always giving away autographs. He's got a big autograph thing coming up. Uh, this week and he, he's been uh, what is the second or third time you've, you've had autograph giveaways right Greg yeah this will be the third one I'm hoping to have autograph giveaways this week for three different players this week and it's real guys because I won I won on the first one so <laughs> Greg is Greg is a man of his word it's a it's a great uh, thing Greg let's you know fingers crossed let's hope the baseball people come to their senses and we have a, a, a season on time this year I was hoping to go to spring training this year and I don't know if that's going to happen but um, you know we, we we love baseball and we want to keep that going so I want to thank you for your time today. Thanks for having me I'd love to be back anytime you need me. All right great you have a great day. You too thanks. Thanks Greg. Well, I hope you enjoyed my interview with Greg Rollins. Uh, next up is Making the Grade. Making the Grade is brought to you by Diamond Service Grading. Fast, accurate, transparent. Diamond Service Grading takes the mystery out of grading. They proudly have the best encapsulation in the industry with an amazing inner sleeve that not only protects your collectible investment, but looks great as well. Easy to submit, quick turnaround. DSG Grading is ready to grade your cards today. Visit dsggrading.com to learn more. So Drew, this week I did it right. We put making the grade in, we didn't forget. <laughs> it's one of our favorite segments, making the grade. Just talks about what's going on in the, in the grading community. And there's, a, there's, there's some stuff happening this week. Uh, one one uh, statistic that I saw is that uh, over 627,000 cards, this is the first three weeks of the year, 627,000 cards graded by PSA, SGC, and Beckett um, in, in the first three weeks of the year. That's sports, non-sports, and gaming cards. And that doesn't include uh, CSG and some of the other grading companies. So uh, people are still uh, submitting cards. Cards are still getting graded. They're getting, you know, all these companies are backlogs. We talked with Max Spiegel last week about his backlogs. They, they, there's so many cards out in the market, and the, the market is uh, 
obviously getting flooded with with new cards every day that have been graded by these companies. Uh, you know, six hundred twenty-seven thousand cards in three weeks is pretty impressive, don't you think, Drew? It is. I mean, wow, that's I can't even imagine just the, how the the volume of that. I mean, especially once you think of the size of those slabs, six hundred twenty-seven thousand cards. That's that could take up most of a room, I would think, possibly. That's oh, wow. you know, and, and you know, I know it's. Um, China's having all sorts of um, backlogs itself in terms of fulfilling uh, supply issues. And I know a lot, most of the, the cards and the cases come from China. So I'm sure the, there's a shortage of the, you know, the plastic to make these cases, which, are, yeah. which is kind of cool. So I, uh, you know, it, it's a neat number. Um, C, uh, SGC has a, a couple improved uh, service levels that they made announcements. I'm just making you guys aware of. So SGC added two new service levels and cut the prices on um, uh, some grading. So 10, 10 day grade grading is now $40. Uh, five day grading is $75 and uh, uh, $30 for regular grading, which is from 45 to 50 days is going uh, to 20 to 25 days. So they have all sorts of, uh, Cool offerings, and they have you have they have a, a expedited grading of one to three uh, days for one hundred twenty five dollars for anything under value under a fifteen hundred dollar value. So uh, check out SGC; they have um, changed up or uh, fixed up some of their grading levels and service levels, and, and uh, re redid some of their pricing. So they are one of the leading grading companies out there. Uh, you can check it out on their site. Um, the one other thing I want to make everyone aware of is that our sponsor, Diamond Service Grading, DSG, uh, they have a special $5 coupon code that is exclusive to TTMcast listeners. All you have to do is uh, put in the code 4HMUGTCG uh, when you go and uh, place in your order with DSG Grading, Diamond Service Grading, DSGgrading.com. And uh, their regular standard submissions are $30, but it's only $25 to you because you save $5. Doesn't matter how many cards you use, just uh, put in the coupon code. Don't worry about writing it down. It's available on our website. One cool thing that Diamond Service Grading offers is they have a QR code on their label. So you can scan it and see why your card got the, the grade it did. So check it out, DSG Diamond Service Grading, DSGgrading.com, and make sure you use the coupon code for HMUGTZG on checkout, and you'll save $5 on each card you get graded. Well, that wraps up making the grade. Next up, we're going to announce our, our uh, contest winner. So, Drew, we have a, a, a T-shirt to give away again this week. I only have um, six left, so we've been burning through the TTM Cast T-shirts, wow. and I've seen I've seen people posting the T-shirts on um, on Twitter, guys that have been winning it. So, thank you if you you do win a T-shirt, take a picture and post it because we love we love to see see you in your TTM Cast swag. Uh, so, I have uh, one winner this week. And I think Drew must, must have bribed me to pick him. His name is the winner because he he sent a nice email out and said, the show is so much better with Drew. Drew makes the show really, really uh, much better. And uh, he might, Drew, he, he must be on your pay, your PR payroll or something. But this guy, his name is Mark uh, Chico, right? Chico, I think. Chico. Chico, Mark Chico. He's from Massachusetts. And uh, Drew knows him from there, his graphing 
days here in Massachusetts. And uh, just by chance, I told Drew the other day, I, I picked up this guy, this guy, Mark Checheco, as the winner. Do you know him? Because he was like, he was saying, you're the best. He, he, he's on your staff. So, Mark, congratulations. Thanks for entering. Um, we are going to give away. I'll give away one more one more shirt. As I said, I only have, I think I have about five left. I had six before we give Mark away. So we're kind of limited in size. I don't have any more mediums, but I do have double uh, XL, extra large, and large uh, shirts left. So if you want to win a TTM Cast T-shirt, send me your name, your mailing address, and your size, and you can send it to our text line, which is 978-729-0662, or you can email, email us, or what's the email address? TTMcast at yahoo.com. That's right. So, Mark, congratulations. Uh, and that wraps up our contest uh, the week. Next up is our TTMcast stamp of approval. I bet you're wondering who earned this week's TTMcast stamp of approval. TTMcast stamp of approval is just that. We put our stamp of approval on stuff that we like. Sometimes it's food. Sometimes it's movies. Sometimes it's TV shows. Sometimes it's music. Drew, I love when Drew does food, but he's not doing food this week. So, but uh, just just because I like you, Drew, I'll let you go first. All right. Well, I just want to take a chance to take a moment here to promote that my band is playing a show. If you're listening in Texas, come on out and check us out. We're going to be playing uh, next. It'll be next weekend. It'll be Saturday evening over at Killer's Tacos in Denton. It's part of the Taco Punks Fest. There's going to be six bands on there. We're actually the first ones on. Show starts at 6, so doors will open about 5 or so. We're on from 6 to 6.40 or so. If we can stretch out to a 40-minute playlist, I mean, I think we can we can get 30 with no problem. That 40 is going to make it a little bit tough, but yeah, we'll figure something out. Um, other bands on there include, uh, right after us is The Nothing, which is the band that I used to play in. We'll try not to make things awkward there. I'll try not to have to find anyone in the parking lot, but uh, had, uh, yeah, used to be uh, with them. After that, it's going to be Utter Depravity. Uh, my friends at Sorry for Swearing are on at 9. They are a lot of fun. Definitely check them out if you're around, uh, if you're in the area. Neutral Territory and Beaver are the other bands that are on the bill. So come on down, check that out if you're in North Texan there. Like I said, it's Killers Tacos in Den. They've got great tacos there as well. So there you go, Jeff. A little bit of food mentioning in there as well to go along with the music. But uh, yeah, come on down, check us out. If you like punk rock, if you like tacos, if you just want to find something to do, Killers Tacos in Denton on Saturday, February 5th. We're out there. All right. I'm still waiting for that custom TTM cast uh, jingle that you guys are going to put together for us. That's right. I still need to get that. Yeah. <laughs> get, the, get the guys on that. We want we yep. want the the, the, the the jingle in there. All right. Yep. So, well, if you you know what, we'll have to play some music. We'll have to play a little of your music on the show to give a little people a sample of it. So maybe maybe next week you can if you are you going to record some of the stuff on the that you guys play. We probably will have a camera running. I don't know how good the uh, sound quality will be on it, but as soon as we have something actually like fully recorded with, you know, mic'd up in the uh, practice room and everything, we'll definitely have that, uh, have that ready to go. All right, cool. I, we love to hear it. My TTM casting approval is, um, a new, uh, it's kind of a new release. Uh, I got actually I got six boxes coming from Target that I bought on, on uh, online the other day. And I'm talking about the Panini Mosaic NBA 2020-21. It's a really, it's a fun, fun release. I know last year you couldn't find Panini Mosaic NBA cards. This year, I guess they're a little more readily available. Um, I I bought um, two boxes from Walmart the other day. And I was like, these are really cool cards. They're nice looking cards. Have you seen them? I haven't seen the uh, Mosaic NBA, but I've seen Mosaic in other sports. And I absolutely love it. Yeah, it's a really nice card. I actually got a um, 
Kenny Skywalker autograph card in there. So mm-hmm. it, he signed it, Kenny Skywalker. I know, I know, he signs TTM, but it was still it's it's always exciting when you pull an autograph card from 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 a box. So I I got that, and then I I got those coming, and I've been buying a bunch of uh, car, new new cards as well. So I'm looking forward to um, getting those, and uh, we'll give a report and see if I get any good hits next week. And I'll po- I'll post any of the hits I get on. Um, on uh, what do you call it on social media and then um the other thing is that you know i'm looking forward to going to the show in rhode island uh, and get picking up some some vintage stuff because I, 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 I really i really need a, a card show fix if you know what i mean <laughs> yeah well that wraps up the ttm cast stamp approval next up is our burn rock minute <laughs> So Vern Rapp Minute is uh, dedicated to Mr. Vern Rapp who passed away prior to me sending out a TTM request. we just like to run down a list of people that have passed away so that you uh, don't send out TTM requests uh, to these people in the world of sports and celebrity and music. And this week we've lost a few people, uh, mostly in baseball, but we did lose a hockey, uh, a former hockey player and a celebrity. This one um, is kind of a, a, a quirky one and still kind of cool. The gentleman's name is Peter Robbins. You probably don't recognize the name, but he was the original voice of Charlie Brown in all those uh, cartoons back in the 60s. He was a a child actor. He was the voice of Charlie Brown from ages 9 to 14. And I bet when he hit puberty, he lost his Charlie Brown gig. Uh, (laughs) But he was a child actor, and he was in a lot of shows in the 60s. His last appearance was on My Three Sons. He was uh, 65 years old. I know he had some uh, brush with the law and some health issues. Um, so he uh, passed away. He was 65. And I believe he was a TTMer as well. So um, just, a, just a guy that, you know, I, I'm a big fan of Charlie Brown and um, Charles Schultz. And he was in like a man, a man named Charlie Brown. He was in the Charlie Brown Christmas. He was in all these. So um, Peter Robbins was his name. In the world of baseball, we lost outfield, former outfielder Gene Klein. Gene was a member of the 1971 Pittsburgh Pirate World Championship team. He also played for the Mets and the Rangers and the Cubs, and he was a great TTMer. Uh, Gene Klein was 75 years old. Do you have Gene Klein? I'm sure for in your set for your 72 set. I do. Yeah, I got him for the 72 set, and uh, I actually have that 71 duel that he's on with. Um, God, I'm blanking on the other rookie in that one, but Fred Cambria, I think it was Fred Cambria, I think was the other one, but I've got that signed by both of them. So I did, uh, did get him a couple years ago. Nice. I, yeah, I have him for my 78 set. So he was very cordial and he was a great signer. Uh, we lost Roger Samuels. Roger was a pitcher for the, uh, giants in 1988 and 89. Interestingly, Roger was, um, one of those guys that had a live arm but couldn't control the ball as a starter. He was one of those guys that would, you know, would you'd get in there and take your life in your own hands because he was throw, he'd throw the ball all over the place. But he kind of reinvented himself as a relief pitcher and had a, a couple pretty good years with the Giants in the late 80s. He's featured on the 1988 flare card. Roger was a, a TTMer uh, and he was 61. 
Uh, we lost David Green. David Green was an outfielder for the St. Louis Cardinals, and he finished his career with the Giants, 1981 to 87. And he was one of those guys that uh, came up with all sorts of um, accolades, right? He was a pretty big prospect, if I do remember. I don't think he ever made – he wasn't a superstar, but he ended up being pre- a pretty good player. And I know he was the TTM. He would sign all, uh, a lot, uh, and he was 61. He came out just at a bad time, I think, because, I mean, that was right when you had, like, Vince Coleman was coming through the Cardinals organization. Willie McGee was coming up at the same time. So that's a tough outfield to crack right there with uh, those two guys already being in it. Yeah, don't, is, don't you remember him as being always, like, one of those guys? He came up and he was going to be, like, that superstar guy, you know, a power guy with a great arm and the whole nine yards. And I don't think he just never – he just he never reached that plateau, but he was always a good player. I always remembered, you know, I always remember the name and watching him play. He was a pretty big guy, if, if I do recall, but uh, he was 61. We lost uh, uh, Vic Rosnowski. I, I did I did that one pretty good, Drew. I didn't kill his, yeah, name, I think he got his name. Yeah. I'm not even going to try it again. Vic Rosnowski, there you go. He was a, a catcher, primarily a backup catcher. With the Cubs and the Orioles and the Phillies in the 60s from 1964 to 1969. I know we had a 1968 Topps card, uh, number 428 with the Orioles. And he was a very good TTMer. And uh, Vic was was 83 years old. Uh, in the world of hockey, we lost Randy Boyd. Randy Boyd was what you would call a defenseman's defenseman, right? This guy, I don't think he scored 20 goals in, a, in his NHL career. He played from 1982 to 1989 with a bunch of teams, with, with the Penguins and Columbus and the Islanders, Vancouver. Um, and he was only 59 years old, but he was a, and he was a TTMer. But he was certainly a defenseman's defenseman, right? Yeah, I mean, just looking at his numbers here, uh, he actually had a couple of big offensive seasons in the minor leagues there. But yeah, in the NHL, Never topped, it looks like, more than about seven goals in a season there. Had a few uh, 30 assists or uh, 15, 20 assist seasons at least. So he could move the puck, just uh, he wasn't going to put it in the net. Right. I mean, you know, defensemen are are, um, very valuable in in the NHL. They're almost kind of like lefty relievers in baseball, right? If you can play defense and and you're not not a meathead, you know, you, you, you can have a career in the NHL and, and Randy was one of those guys, obviously he played with one, two, like four or five teams and during his career. And, uh, you know, he, he passed away at a young age, 59. Um, well, that wraps up the burn wrap minute. Our condolences go to friends and family. We are sorry for your loss. Uh, next up is our TTM returns. This week's TTM Returns are brought to you by Sports Card Forum. Find players' addresses, see who's signing, and more, all for free. SportsCardForum.com, the ultimate in sports card trading and discussion. But TTM Returns is just that. This is why we do TTM. This is why we do the show. This is why we, we love getting mail. We just love – Drew and I are both, are both big TTMers, and we have been uh, shirking in our TTM duties lately, but we're both back on the horse, so to speak. I sent out – 20 this week drew sent out what'd you send out like 30 right you had a bunch that you you had going out i got about half of those written i think it's like 12 that i got mailed out this week yeah so it's uh there's a lot going on in terms of guys that are uh, signing i figured we just kind of quickly run down a bunch of guys that we saw signing in the past week or so so these are all guys that are all good ttmers drew you want to take the first half and i'll take the second half yeah um big ones mentioned george foster he's uh he's I mean, that's a former 50 home run guy back in the 70s. He's been signing at about $10 per card. Uh, Roger Craig, of course, the uh, 
I think you can kind of go either way on this one, both the former uh, former pitcher in the 50s and 60s and the running back of the 80s and 90s. Both are solid signers. I've seen stuff from both of them fairly recently, especially the running back. So uh, he's a free signer, I believe. Uh, Chip Miller, the kicker for Washington back in the early 90s. He's one that I've actually got on my list to send out here in the next couple of weeks. He's been signing free after a little bit of a hiatus on uh, on all that. Uh, Bob Nedelicki, who I believe is a basketball Hall of Famer. No, he's an ABA or he, he played yeah, ABA or that's right. He played his entire career in the ABA. He was a member of the Pacers and the uh, the Spurs. And we actually had him on the show, and he's a great TTMer. Excellent. So there you go. He's been signing a bit lately. Uh, Steve Garvey has always been an excellent signer, kind of one of those uh, borderline potential Hall of Famer types. $5 per on him. Great price right there. And uh, got a Hall of Famer there in Paul Molitor. He's been signing it around $10 a piece. And for those who are into NASCAR, there's Kyle Petty out there. Kyle and Richard, both excellent TTMers. And seeing some come back from uh, Kyle recently here as well. So make sure you get those out to him. He's a free signer as well. So there you go, Jeff, if you want to take the last few there. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Steve Largen, who's a uh, Hall of Famer from the Seattle Seahawks, he signs for $10. Uh, Jim Marshall, who played for the Minnesota Vikings, and he's the guy that ran the, the, one of the famous things that Jim Marshall did, if I do recall. Uh, he's he signing for free. Joe Carter from the Cleveland Indians and, and Toronto Blue Jays and San Diego Padres, I believe, as well. He signs for $10 a card. Dan, the Hall of Fame quarterback for the San Diego Chargers, and he was a uh, he was a um, TV guy as well. He signs. Uh, Hall of Fame pitcher Rich Gossage signs for $10. And uh, Blaze Jordan, who's a prospect in the Red Sox organization, um, you know, he's going to spring training soon, fingers crossed. Um, and he signs, he personalizes, and he signs for free. So there's a lot of guys that are signing. You know, get your get your uh, T-Tam requests out now. This is a, a really good time kind of before spring training, before some of these guys have to go travel. Uh, some of these guys are, are, you know, if they're living in, in – uh, Cities like Boston, areas like Boston, where it's snowing all the time, they're stuck in the house. So it's, it's a really good time to send your TTM requests out. Um, Drew, why don't you do, why don't you do uh, run down your returns for, for the week? Yeah, I only had a one come back to me. That was uh, former Expos outfielder Coco LeBoy. He's a part of the inaugural Expos team there. He has a rookie card in the 69 set, and he's also a 72 high number. Got both of those back. He signs at, I believe he'll do up to three items for a total of $5. So I sent those two and an index card. Didn't sign the index card, but I'm not complaining too much there. Uh, mailed out a few as well, which I mostly did non-sports this time. The only sports one I did was uh, Pat Putnam, who uh, you may remember I got back a couple of weeks ago saying he's charging $5 each. So I mailed that back out and we'll hopefully get that back soon. In the non-sports world, I decided, all right, let's go ahead and try out some uh, cartoonists. Actually, we'll see if that goes well, because I've seen... I've seen a few here and there get people uh, get people back in that world that uh, they'll actually do even like a little sketch on there. So sent to uh, Mad Magazine artists or past artists, Al Jaffe, Paul Coker Jr. and Sergio Aragones, uh, Gary Trudeau from Doonesbury, both Ron Ferdinand and Marcus Hamilton from Dennis the Menace, uh, Chip Sansom, who does The Born Loser, Jim Borgman and Jerry Scott, who do the comic strip Zits. And uh, one of my all-time favorites is... Uh, Ste- uh, Stefan Pastis of Pearls Before Swine. Best comic strip ever if you have not read it. Highly recommend it. Check it out. I absolutely love it. But uh, he's one that I've tried out as well. And I have one sort of from a uh, private, part private signing, part trade with uh, Marty Barrett, former Red Sox infielder, has a signing coming up. And uh, 
I got contacted actually by the guy who was doing that. He saw some of my stuff on uh, sportscollectors.net and said, look, uh, is there anything on my list, any of my upcoming signings you can use or anything like that? I'm like, actually, yes, I could use that Barrett there. And so got kind of a trade going on where I'm sending him some uh, signed cards. He's got the uh, Barrett for me and a couple signed photos. So should have those hopefully coming back in a couple of weeks. So uh, to go along with my previous mailings to a Tommy Sallow private signing and a big bulk request to the uh, North Melbourne Kangaroos, that's the extent of my mail out so far, but I've got another 20 or so that I'm ready to uh, hopefully write out this week if I can. You're, you're a busy man. My son's a big um, comic book guy, and oh, we, yeah. go to, we go to Comic-Cons and all that. And he gets the, all the artists signing his, his stuff, so that's kind of cool. And then I got a quick Marty Barrett story for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my, one of my friends, his, he worked in, uh, for the Celtics. He was the accountant for the Celtics. Oh, wow. So um, this was back in – he started in 80 – Seven. So he was 87 to, to the mid 90s. So it was 1987. And we were going, went into it. We were going to the Celtics game. And he said, Yeah, I want to, if you want to stop in, up and say hello, come on, stop up and, and say hello. So this is uh, when they were still playing at the garden, at the old garden. And if you remember, their offices were kind of in that office building right next to the garden. Yeah. So we go, we, we go in there and uh, we go up the elevator and I look over and Marty Barrett's in the elevator with me <laughs> going up to pick up his tickets or whatever. He signed a piece of paper for me. And so I went in and I saw my buddy and uh, I went I, I went in his office and we we're talking and he goes, see over there. And I, he looked, I, we look out there and Red Auerbach sitting at his desk. It was kind of cool. Oh, wow. <laughs> but I couldn't go ask him for an autograph. Yeah. But I know Marty Barrett, um, he was, he was kind of, he's weird TTM was. I've gotten him TTM a maybe a, a year and a half ago, but it was, it took forever for it to come back. So I he think is. he does, he, he lives in, I think he still, if he still lives in the Las Vegas area um, and he, he was signing TTM at one time. We have to look this uh, on real quick on my sheet here, but I'm not sure if he still holds my personal record or if he, uh, or if that got broken, but he had the longest return I have ever had in my life. Uh, let's see here. Got my sheet up here. And let's see. Yeah. Looking through here, he, uh, okay. No, it got beaten here recently, but, uh, yeah, he had a 2,661 day success for me. So we're talking like seven years. I think I sent him out two different times cause I saw him that he was signing two different times mm-hmm. and I got them both back, but it would took a while. I, I have, to, I don't remember the exact time, but, um, it's cool. I love getting them out and I'm glad I'm getting I, my, most of my stuff is, is baseball and some football that I, I sent out 87 top stuff and, and uh, 73 uh, tops football stuff. So I, I got, I got about 20 going out, uh, but it's fun. It's fun. And we, we, we still have, have a look out the window guy snowing. It is coming uh, down. The wind is howling. We, uh, I feel like we are in normal Alaska, <laughs> but we go on. We, we, we keep shrugging on rain or sleet or snow does not keep us from our appointed rounds. Right, Drew? Oh yeah. So, so next, next up is uh, our interview segment. This week's interview is brought to you by Certified Sports Guarantee, csgcards.com for superior sports card certification and grading. Well, I had the pleasure of meeting Antoine Walker way back in, in um, April, end of April, beginning of May um, last year at a, an event. He was signing at the Salisbury Beach, Beach Sports uh, Bar, and uh, we went up we went up there and, and uh, met him. 
friend for a while. We actually sat at his table for a little while, and he signed a bunch of stuff. We get, I, I think I gave away all the, the uh, pictures that I, he had signed for me. I got a rookie card signed, and um, you know, we we asked him if he wanted to be on the podcast. He's like, sure, no problem. So we we just reached out. We scheduled time, and it just never happened. It was just I don't know what happened. We uh, Antoine Antoine on me, but anyway. I finally, I saw, his, I saw his contact information the day last last week. Actually, I was scrolling through my phone. I saw his name. I said, oh, let me reach out to him one more, one more time. So I reached out to him. And lo and behold, like three seconds later, he texted me back. And we I finally uh, made the arrangements with him. And it, he was awesome. We, I had a great talk with him. Uh, we talked about his career. He was a very colorful guy on and off the court. We talked about all sorts of his career. We talked about getting traded, about guys that he played with. We also talked about collecting and signing autographs and collecting autographs himself and it's a really fun interview so uh, you know i hang in there for my interview with uh, three-time nba all-star mr antoine walker but first here's a message friends at csg see how your cards stack up in the csg registry the premier online arena for sports card collecting it's a free platform where you can show off your csg certified sports cards and compete against other collectors more than 1,000 unique users have put together over 600 set types so far. Are you ready to play? Visit csgcards.com to start adding your CSG certified cards now. Joining the program is Antoine Walker. Antoine Walker is a veteran of 13 seasons in the NBA, including one season as an NBA champion with the Miami Heat in 2006 and a three-time NBA All-Star Welcome to the program, Mr. Antoine Walker. Hey, thanks for having me. Antoine, after winning in the NCAA championship with Kentucky, you were drafted number six in the first round by the Boston Celtics. Was it difficult to come into the NBA as a 20-year-old? Uh, yeah. I mean, when I came in, um, it definitely was a big transition. I mean, on and off the court. Um, you know, obviously off the court, um, being a young guy, um, you know, never really, you know, being on my own and, and now I'm in the NBA world and having to be by myself. And, you know, you're becoming a, uh, an adult really, really fast. So that was a little different. But on the court, um was a process. I mean, um, you know, I came into an era where the game was really physical, um, a lot of hand checking, a lot of physical basketball. So that transition part to get, getting being, being strong and, and being able to um, handle – the physical player in the NBA coming in was something that I had to adjust to because um, everybody is fast, everybody can run, everybody can jump. and So you have to adjust to that when you're coming from, you know, the collegiate game to the pro game. So that was a process in itself too. So um, so it was a whirlwind for me. But um, I played with a lot of good veteran guys. Uh, for people that don't remember, I played with Pervis Ellison, Rick Fox, David Wesley, uh, D. Brown, Dana Barrows, um, and ML Carr was the head coach and GM at the time. So those guys really helped me um, adjust uh, my first year and make it um, a smooth transition. As a rookie, was there a veteran that took you under his wing and made the transition to pro basketball a little more easy for you? Um, really, uh, Ty Day. I don't know if you remember Ty yeah. Day, University of Arkansas. Uh, spent a lot of time with Ty Day. He was really, really good in helping with my transition period, but also, really, um, I have to credit ML um, and his uh, assistant at the time, Secretary Becky DeSantos. They were both great as far as helping me um, adjust 
um, and not leaving me on the island by myself and making me have to try to figure it out um, on a day-to-day basis. So it was it was a lot of people that played a part in my development coming into Boston. Was it hard to get used to losing? Because, I mean, at Kentucky, you probably lost, you know, a couple of games for you in the first couple of weeks with the Celtics. You probably lost more games than your whole college career. <laughs> oh, without question, yeah. We won 15 games my first year. Um, yeah, it took me a, a it, it, it took me a while to wrap my fingers around um, losing. But one thing that was great, I knew that I had to continue to try to develop. No matter what was going on, it was going to be a transition period. And um, ML was did a great job of letting me understand that. But also giving me an opportunity to play through my mistakes. It probably was the best thing for me. Not joining a team that really had a um, – a team that was trying to win right away because I probably wouldn't have had a chance to really develop and they would have been really looking for instant gratification. But by me getting the opportunity to develop and play through my mistakes uh, was great for me and allowed me, you know, obviously the next year I made the All-Star team. So it was great for me. As a young pro, you became a prolific three-point shooter. Was that something that you developed or was that something that the Celtics uh, molded and crafted their game around you? Um, it's something that just materialized um, as as my career went along. Um, I was very fortunate. Most guys don't get to play for their college coach. So when Rick Pitino came, he knew my strengths and weaknesses. He you know, moved me from small forward to power forward. Um, he loosened the ranks somewhere a little bit, allowed me to shoot the three. Um, so it just became a big part of my game. Um, so it's just something that's materialized. It wasn't nothing that was given to me right away. It's just something that eventually worked. Worked into my favor with it. Well, um, I, I had favorable coaches that allowed me uh, to be able to shoot a lot of threes, and 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 that happened to be one of my best attributes. Being a, a bigger guy who can step out of, away from the basket and do some things, so it, it turned out to be great. You mentioned Coach Patino, and of course, he was a legendary college basketball coach. But he had trouble uh, reaching great heights in the pros. Why do you think he had difficulty uh, succeeding as a pro coach? Kind of what you talked about earlier. Um, couldn't take the losing. When you go from a situation where you win 75, 80% of your games and now you get to a situation where you have to rebuild and be patient and you win in 40% of your games, he was impatient. Um, and it was in the process. We was in a rebuilding mode. Um, I think he did a good job of putting some excitement back into it. His first year, we were able to go from 15 wins to like 38. Um, so we made some adjustments, but I just think the impatience, if you look at his record and the transactions that he made um, as far as moving guys in and out. I mean, hell, we traded Chauncey Billups 41 games. I think it's like 40, 50 games to the season. <laughs> you know, so you got to put that in you gotta put that in perspective. So just impatient, um, not willing to let the process take its place and, and wasn't willing to deal with the win, um, the losing. Coming into such a storied franchise like the Boston Celtics, did you have access to their greats like uh, John Havlicek and Dave Cowens and – Bill Russell, um, were you able to learn from them and, and uh, pick their brains? Oh, without question. Um, um, I had the opportunity to be around a lot. Um, at the time when I came in, I, obviously ML was the coach and GM. Dennis Johnson, Casey Jones were assistants. Um, obviously Tommy Heinsohn was calling games. Dave Cow was around the organization. Havacek, JoJo White, Cedric Maxwell. Uh, Larry was actually around my first year before he – um, end up kind of not being around the organization. Red Arback was still around. Bill Russell was still coming around a lot. So I got an opportunity to be around a lot of the legends and understand um, 
the mystique uh, uh, and or what you want to call it to be a part of um, the Celtic organization, and um, it's a very special organization to be a part of. Did you have a chance to get any pictures or autographs or autographed basketballs uh, from any of the Celtics legends? Oh, without question, I got some. I got some. I got a legendary picture with Red, uh, Bill, um, Heinsohn, uh things that I've, I've gotten. JoJo White, just personal things in really casual settings, um, and maybe the Celtic event at a practice facility. Um, I've got some pictures, so um, I've been very fortunate to, to have those. Keep those are lifers. It's really easy to draw parallels between the early Celtic teams of you and Paul and today's Celtic teams with Brown and Tatum. Do you see uh, similarities between the two teams? Oh, without question, because they got two stars that need to figure it out um, and figure out how to play together, but also bring their teammates along um, in the process. And they're having some growing pains. And this is really hard, you know, for them, obviously, because they're playing through this pandemic era. And, you know, you get you miss a lot of time just because of that. But I do see the similarities as you continue to try to build guys around them. Um, you know, we were able to make a good run um, and get to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, they came up a little short to get into the Finals. These guys have had some success and been in playoff teams, and they're trying to make their run. I think people have to be patient. They're young. Um, stars, it's so hard in the, in the NBA to get two stars that young. Um, but they'll figure it out. Um, those are two talented offensive guys um, that the Celtics drafted, and they should be very proud of that. Guys they win the draft and, 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 and developed that are to be all-stars now, and guys that probably got a future together for the next seven, eight, ten years. You never know. It took you and Paul a little while to click. Is it, was there one instance where you just kind of clicked, or did, was it something that uh, evolved over time? I think over time you get used to each other. But also, it's the mindset. I think those guys, I'm not sure. I don't know them personally enough to know how much time they spend together. But they hopefully they're spending some time together off the court. I think as you build, as you try, one, to build friendship as teammates, um, but just to have a personal relationship off the court, I think is, is it will be great because it translates to better basketball. they got to be able – one thing about me and Paul, we could curse each other out. We could push each other to the max, but we're going to be friends the next day. You know, I don't know if those guys got that type of relationship where they can give each other each other constructive criticism. But if they're able to do that and continue to develop, and they got to have one goal in mind. The goal is, do they want to put another banner in Boston? Do they want to? How much do they want to win? You have to be on the same course. So, those are some of the things that you hope those guys are working on. You and Paul kind of had a rocky relationship at the beginning, but over time you guys really grew as both players and uh, teammates. It was really fun to watch from the beginning. Yeah, I mean, you guys, I mean, every, everybody wants to be a star. Everybody wants to be a fan. But when you figure out you can do it together, um, great things can happen. And me and Paul, we were to play seven and a half years together and be very successful. And we both have some great individual accolades um, that we accomplished. Now we got a title, but we did get a title eventually. I think all that plays a part in, in mentality and, and wanting to win. So um, it takes some time. I think people have to be patient and understand the, the game is in a different time right now. Um, so, you know, it's tough to get, you know, to develop, and you got to be patient to, to develop this type of situation because so many missed games and, and things are going on right now that it's tough to develop that chemistry. But I think they're doing a good job right now. Just be patient and continue to put pieces around those two young guys. 
Well, I hope you enjoyed my interview with Mr. Antoine Walker. My favorite question is asking Antoine about the Antoine wiggle. If you guys remember Antoine, Antoine would hit a three-pointer and just start doing that, the wiggle. And I, I, I really love that as, as a young player and as a Celtic fan. Uh, Antoine was very fun and very forthcoming. And I want to thank, you, thank him so much for being on the show. We have um, a great show for you guys next week. We have, uh, oh, I'm sorry, I want to also thank Mr. Greg Rollins from America's uh, Favorite Pastime for, for joining us. It was it was fun to learn about his group. If you want to learn more about his group, go to um, Facebook, America's Favorite Pastime, and you can uh, request to join his group. Next week, we have a great show. We have Jeff Owens, who is the editor of Sports Collectors Digest, and Ryan Nolan, who's a collector who uh, wrote a brand new a new book, Identifying Pick Cards while Spotting and that's available on Amazon. So we have all sorts of stuff. So we went another hour again this week, to, yep. you know, plus, you know, two hours plus. We, we have so much stuff to cover. Uh, I, th- I thank everyone for uh, for, for the, the podcast because it lets us uh, pontificate, right, Drew? Exactly, yeah. I mean, we're limited so much on the radio show there with time and everything, time constraints. On here, we just totally let loose and just go crazy on everything. Yeah, as Drew said, uh, we do have our radio show. It's called the Sports Collectors Club. It is on the Sports Map Radio Network. Check out sportsradio.com for your local listings. You can also download the Sports Map Radio app on your app store, and you can listen right from your uh, phone. The show is every Sunday morning from 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. Drew can be found on uh, YouTube. Drew, what's your YouTube address? Uh, just Drew's Autographs. If you go to youtube.com slash Drew Pelto. Or if you go to my website at dfwgrapher.com, you can find links to everything that I'm on right there. So go and check that out as well. Yeah, I'm on Twitter at CastTTM, also at TTMCast on Facebook and on Instagram. I'm posting all the time. We have uh, all sorts of stuff. If you want to register, win a T-shirt, TTMCast T-shirt. Drew, how would you do that? That would be if you email TTMCast at yahoo.com with your name, your size, and your address. That's it. All right. Well, I think we, we did all our housekeeping, Drew. We got a, a bunch of stuff. We'll, I'm going I'm to go stare out the window and, and watch the snow come down. Uh, maybe we'll, we'll organize some cards today. Uh, I think we, you know, we got football tomorrow. Looking forward to the, the uh, championship games. Drew, you want to give your prediction for uh, the championship games since we did so well during the season? Oh, yeah. We were, we were awesome at those. Um... I'd like to see the Chiefs make it again. I mean, I've got a lot of friends in Kansas City, so I'm pulling for the Chiefs. I'll just I'll just put that out there with that. And over on the NFC side, I don't know that I really want to see another rematch of the Chiefs and 49ers. So I got to go with uh, got to go with the Rams there. Hopefully, yeah, the Rams really uh, positioned themselves by all these free agent pickups. And I'm not a big Matt Stafford fan, but. Um, uh, you know, I guess I'm rooting for the Rams. Uh, it'd be a good game. I think the Rams and Chiefs would be a, a good game. I don't think anyone's beating the Chiefs. I think it's the Chiefs here. Um, and I think that wraps it up, Drew. We are, yeah. we, we are, I'm out of breath, and I, I'm sure you are too. <laughs> so, with that, I wish everyone many happy returns. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening.